This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today is the great feast of Corpus Christi, the feast of the body and the blood of Christ, the feast of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is one of the biggest topics within Catholicism. I mean, it's so broad and rich and variegated. It can be explored from so many different angles. In fact, last year on this feast, I think I talked about the theme of the real presence. We say that Jesus is really, truly, and substantially present in the Eucharist. That's an angle of vision. We could also talk about the Eucharist as the source and summit of the Christian life, as Vatican II put it. We could talk about the Eucharist as the great sacrament and symbol of the church. But what I want to do today is explore an angle that I think we haven't explored sufficiently in recent years, though it was one that the church fathers loved and explored frequently in their writings. The theme is this, Eucharist as food for eternal life. Food for eternal life. One of the old terms for the Eucharist is the panis angelorum, the bread of the angels, food appropriate for this heavenly realm. Look at some of the passages, though, from the Gospel for today, taken from that magnificent sixth chapter of John's Gospel. In fact, I'd urge all of you on this Feast of Corpus Christi, take some time today, you can do it easily in one sitting, to read through the sixth chapter of John. It's the great meditation on the Eucharist. But listen now to what the Lord says. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Just now, a bit later, he says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Notice, please, that Jesus came down from heaven, from a higher realm, a more intense realm of existence. And then he offers his flesh as the bread from that realm, which will then make us able to live in that realm. The eternal, everlasting life. The church fathers often said that God became human that we might become God. And they spoke of the Eucharist as the food and drink that effectively eternalize us. Ludwig Feuerbach, the German philosopher, said famously, you are what you eat. And it's true, obviously, in a very basic sense. Your body, become, your body is what you eat. So the church fathers had a similar idea. You are what you eat. When we eat and drink of the eternal presence of Jesus, we become eternalized. Now, how can we make better sense of all this? What does all this mean? Is it just kind of pious, symbolic talk? 
Well, think of some real basic examples. If a human being wants to go deep down underwater to explore the beauty and the riches of the sea, well, he can't just go down without equipment. He needs the mask and the oxygen tanks. And if he wants to go really deep sea diving, he needs that diving bell. In other words, he has to adapt himself somehow to the environment in order to live comfortably there and take in the beauties of that place. Or think of when I was a kid, the space explorers were so much on TV and so much in the news. You want to walk outside your spacecraft and take in the, the glories and the beauties of outer space. Well, you can't just leave the spacecraft. You have to be in that elaborate suit that allows you now to live and to breathe and to move in this somewhat alien atmosphere. Or think now more of a long-term example. In the process of evolution, animals and entire species gradually over many millions of years adapt themselves to a new environment. You know, very simply when foxes and bears and so on over many, many eons and, and millennia adapt themselves to a northern environment. So nature selects those who have the white fur. Or think even more dramatically of all of life, scientists tell us, came from the sea. All life was originally in the sea. But then animals over many, many millions of years, many millennia, adapt themselves to life outside the sea, developing first primitive lungs and then more sophisticated varieties. Think now, the scientists tell us that the dinosaurs, the great dinosaurs, evolved into birds, adapting themselves to new environments. Here's a more, if you will, ordinary psychological example. When I went to France in 1989 to begin my studies, I had some background. I knew some French. But when I got off that plane, it was a bit like stepping into a completely alien atmosphere. I remember distinctly my first night at the dinner table at my house in France, and I thought I could speak the language fairly well. And there I was in the midst of five or six other French speakers who were speaking in this completely fluent way and using all kinds of slang, and there I was completely at sea. Well, of course, it wasn't just the language. It was a whole way of being that was alien to me, a whole way of... of thinking and seeing and acting and gesturing. Well, it took me many, many months before I felt really comfortable there. I developed the, the lungs that I needed. I developed the, the capacities to live in that environment. I've often said that the Christian's relationship to Christ is radical. What I mean is, we live in Christ. A Buddhist listens to the teaching of the Buddha. A Muslim will abide by the revelation given through Muhammad. But for the Christian, the relationship to Christ is much more dramatic and radical than that. We live in him. We live and move and have our being. He's the vine. We are the branches. We eat his body and drink his blood so as to become one with him. What's going on in this process? 
we are becoming adapted to Christ's way of being. What is his way of being? It's a heavenly life. It's an eternal life, a life characteristic of heaven. When we receive the body and blood of Christ, what are we receiving? Listen now. Jesus, precisely in the great act by which he gives himself away in love. The Eucharist is the representation of the cross. When Jesus' body and blood were separated, when he poured himself out, Jesus giving himself away, yes, even to the point of death, that's what we take in. You know, it's been noticed that in ancient hunting cultures, when the hunter would bring down the animal, he would often go over and he would remove one of its organs, maybe the heart or the liver, and he'd eat of it. And then he would drink the animal's blood. The idea was to bring some of that animal's courage and spirit into himself. It was a tribute to him. So in a similar way, we eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus so as to bring his life, his way of being, into ourselves. It's food for eternal life. Now, let me make this even more explicit. Cardinal Newman said something that when I read it took my breath away. Newman said, if your heart is not right, then heaven would light up the fires of hell within you. Extraordinary. It's a wonderful statement. Your heart is not right. Even if you were in heaven, it would feel like hell. Why now? Why? Because you would not be properly adapted to life in that higher world. Look, take our, our concrete examples again. Let's say you take a nocturnal animal accustomed to moving around by night, and suddenly you thrust it into the bright sunlight of the noonday. What's it like for that animal? It would be a torture. Now, we go out and say, well, it's a beautiful day. It's a glorious day. And it is. It would be. But for that animal, it would be a torture. The animal's not adapted to that world. I want to go and explore the beauties of the, of the depths and I just jump over the side of my, sh my boat. I don't have the proper equipment, the proper suit. Well, it is a beautiful world, but not for me. For me, it would be a torture. I leave my spacecraft without the proper equipment. And it is a beautiful, amazing, wonderful world out there. But for me, it would just be a torture. I'm not properly accoutred for it. I'm not properly adapted to it. Here's a final example that maybe is the most illuminating. Imagine somebody who lives their life in a totally self-absorbed way. They're materialistic, sensualistic. Their lives are about their own pleasure. That's how they've lived. All their desires, all their moves, all their hopes center basically on satisfying their own selfish desires. Now, take that person in that condition and place him right now in the midst of Mother Teresa's community in Calcutta. 
His life is now one of radical self-giving. He'll be called upon to take care of the poorest of the poor. He'll be called upon to go out and find those who are dying and to carry them back, to nurse them, to feed them. He'll be called upon to pray several hours a day. He'll be called upon to live now in a radical community. Well, what's it like for him? <laughs> it would be probably a torture. Now, we could say the life of Mother Teresa's nuns, that's a heavenly life. That's a beautiful life. And indeed it is. But not for him. Not for him because he's not adapted to it. He's not ready to breathe in that kind of rarefied spiritual atmosphere. His body, his mind, his soul, his spirit have not been adapted to it. So, Christians, heaven, heaven, eternal life, that's the realm of God. It means the realm of total self-emptying love. That's what God is. Again, think of Newman. If your heart is not right then heaven itself would light up the fires of hell in you. If your whole life is focused on, on here and now and pleasure and selfishness, then when you arrive in heaven, you're not suited for it. You're like a nocturnal animal in the noonday sun. So, so, what's the Eucharist? Bread and wine, food and drink for eternal life. When we take in Christ... We become adapted to Him. We are preparing ourselves in a physical and spiritual way to live in the rarefied atmosphere of heaven. Can I suggest, just as I close, don't think of heaven so much as a reward that anybody could enjoy, the good, the bad, the indifferent. Think of it rather as a way of life that those who are adapted to it through grace can take in. Take in the Eucharist, food and drink for eternal life. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.